Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. Willie King is sitting in for Ryan Huang, taking on the bigger picture today. Willie, it's an interesting day because yesterday it was all about the United States and the Fed. And today you're turning the attention to Asia. Tell us more about what you're covering today. Yeah, I mean, if you just recall, the dust is still settling from the FOMC rate decision this week, where we saw a jumbo-sized rate hike for a third meeting in a row. Stocks are still being sold off and as you have pointed out Elliot, bond yields rose. We are also seeing other central banks under pressure to keep up with many Asian currencies, feeling the weight from a stronger US dollar. So today, we have here with me, Mr. Christopher Wong, Southeast Asia Portfolio Strategist of Fidelity International, who will share with us the things about what's going on in Asian markets. Hello, Christopher. Hi, morning, Willie. Hey, Thanks mo- for having me. Morning, morning. So, can you just quickly tell us, you know, with the recent Fed rate hike on Wednesday, how do you think this will affect Asian markets? Yeah, starting with the rate hike, so uh, we clearly saw the 75 basis point hike. Now, while it was uh, widely telegraphed by investors, uh, it was still more hawkish than markets expected through the dot plot and the newly introduced summary of economic projections. Now, this created immediate volatility in global US and and Asian markets uh, yesterday as well, Mm. as investors uh, priced in further rate hikes. Now, uh, given increased uncertainty around the persistency of inflation, monetary policies and its subsequent impact to growth, and of course, the, the very strong US dollar, Asian markets likely to remain volatile in the immediate term. And, and also, to extend this discussion a little bit, it also puts pressure on Asian central banks with the Fed as hawkish as it is and the US dollar strong. Asian central banks may need to gradually hide in step as well to reduce uh, currency depreciation as that ultimately will, will lead to uh, outflows and also an uh, increase in cost of imported goods. Mm. So you are talking about Asian central banks. I mean, further opening up of travel borders in Japan, you know, we are looking at the 24-year slump in the yen. You know, we have the new Omicron variants reported yet again, lower unemployment rates, lower PPI in both US and China. Christopher, tell me, how should investors read the market? Yeah, so it's a really a tug of war. It's quite a mixed bag right now. So on one hand, <clears throat> we have the reopening in certain parts of the world and still generally a strong consumer health. On the other hand, we have falling economic growth in other parts and rapidly tightening monetary policies. So putting all this all together, we, we feel that things will be volatile in the short term until we get a pivot of some sort from central banks, which will likely only happen when there are signs inflation is coming under control. So with that in mind, really, markets will be volatile. One should be a bit more cautious and selective when investing. Mm, so you have spoken about the Asian central banks. You have also spoken about Asian markets here. Can you just tell us you know, a little bit more about the Chinese market? What's going on there? Yeah, so Chinese market, I mean, clearly on one hand is driven by what's happening in global markets, the global economy. Uh, specific to China, there are a number of factors that are happening as well. So economic growth is slowing. We're seeing kind of policy crackdowns for a number of months now. We're seeing a zero-COVID policy, or ZCP in short, really happen to specific cities in China and all of this creating quite a dampener on the economy. But the positive, the kind of the silver lining here is we're seeing regulatory clampdowns start to ease, right? There are clear signs of that happening. Uh, Second, there has been consistent and growing stimulus uh, from the Chinese government and the central bank. And we expect that to continue through the year and, and maybe into next year as well. 
and all of this hopefully should should put together a slightly better outcome for the economy and, and Chinese markets going forward. Yeah, I mean, we do hope to look at a more optimistic view on the Chinese market. So, talking about the fourth quarter ahead, your thoughts, how will the year close and are we really in a already in a slowdown or heading into a recession? What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question here. So, uh, to us, uh, in the US, uh, soft data that we track, like confidence indicators, uh, kind of based on our modeling, it's signaling about a 60% probability of a recession. But hard data, like unemployment, remains quite strong, which at some point will have to converge downwards to this soft data. But whilst this is still happening, uh, there's risk of Fed over-tightening until we see clear-cut demand destruction to reduce inflationary pressures. So the risk here, we might see a recession a bit later out, but might be a bit deeper one. Uh, Europe's also worth mentioning here, so gas disruption is a key theme, and it will likely increase as we head towards the winter session. So the question now is whether, uh, it's not really whether Europe is in recession, but rather the magnitude Mm. and the duration of this recession. Mm. And and China, like I discussed, uh, is on a different trajectory from the world. Growth gradually recovering from the lows of the lockdown we saw in March through June. We're likely to see more stimulus coming through, and that hopefully can help, help to support the recovery there. Yeah, maybe just to talk a little bit more about the Chinese market. So you have mentioned, you know, moving away a bit from technology, what do you think about the Chinese property market, which everyone has been talking about lately? Yeah, so Chinese property market has really been the, in the headlines for, for the wrong reasons. Uh, but like, like what I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, we are seeing regulatory pressures, which has been the really the epicenter of this. Regulatory pressures have started to ease. We're seeing the government turn a lot more supportive towards this sector, uh, and even the central banks, we're seeing rate cuts to support the sector. We're seeing uh, easing measures to allow and uh, drive more property sales, both at the central and the local government levels. But of course, it'll take some time for some of these measures to flow through and result in a, a, a kind of tangible kind of sales in the sector. But overall, the direction of travel is more towards easing, towards supporting this uh, very important sector to the Chinese economy. Christopher, I'd like to just tap your brain on the ideas today. Where do you think, you know, based on what you just said, where do you think investors can find value? Yeah. So uh, clearly, as I really kind of alluded to, uh, Asia, China is an area we're finding quite interesting. So Chinese equities, uh, undemanding uh, valuations, continued losing measures could hopefully kind of help to stabilize the economy. And that's one area we like. Uh, ASEAN, slightly lesser spoke about in more recent years, is also kind of experiencing a broad recovery, kind of as we reopen from covid uh, kind of tourism, manufacturing starts to hit our way. Within ASEAN as well, uh, Indonesia is interesting to us. Growth is still quite robust, benefits from higher commodity prices. Our local market, Singapore, quite attractive as well. The consumer here remains strong. Banks quite well positioned to take more market share in the region and REITs benefiting from rising demand in residential commercial properties. Mm, I think I've got to agree with you on the Asian growth. I mean, for the past couple of years, some of these Asian tigers have really been, you know, outperforming the regional markets. So based on what you just said, Christopher, any sectors, you know, to avoid in this case? So we want us still to be selective going forward. Where we are globally and within the, the region as well, we're a bit more careful are non-profitable, high valuation tech, Right, so they're very susceptible still to vol- uh, volatile bond yields. A consumer discretionary sector, right, may potentially still be at risk at a continued downturn in consumer sentiment. 
And also, one should avoid companies that have higher leverage, might be at risk of a higher borrowing cost. So real estate here is uh, one such sector. Yep. So, you know, we are all talking about interest rate hike and how it will affect technology sector, property developers, property companies. We have here with me again, Christopher Wong, Southeast Asia Portfolio Strategist, Fidelity International. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.